Hello, everyone. Welcome to Chapter Surfing, the podcast where each month me and a guest discuss a TV show and the book that it's based on. I'm your host, Lenny Burnham, and this month's episode is about Dublin Murders, made by the BBC, distributed in America by Stars, and based on the books In the Woods and the Likeness by Tana French. Please expect spoilers for that show and both of those books. My guest this month is the beautiful Katie Wright, the host of Bredeston Hell Yes. Thank you so much. I don't think I've ever been introduced as beautiful before, but it's very true. It's so nice to have you. Uh, I'd like everyone to picture the ambiance. Me and Katie are recording this podcast in the morning and having some mimosas. I think this is the first brunch podcast I've ever done. Outstanding. And I think Tana French is a pretty good brunch author. Yeah, for sure. Just kind of, I can definitely see her uh, being the focus of like many suburban mom book clubs. Um, I don't mean that as a dig, yeah. but <laughs> uh, usually when I say that, I mean it as a dig. <laughs> uh, so we pretty much uh, read and watched this on about the same timeline. Uh, we read the two books recently and then watched the show afterwards. I uh, suspect we probably both have a lot more uh, real thoughts on the books than the show. So I think uh, I'd like to start off by just talking about the books. Okay. Uh, Katie, what did you think when you read In the Woods and then The Likeness? Um, I really enjoyed In the Woods. Um, <clears throat> I know that... Uh, you and I have sort of inverse opinions on In the Woods. Like, I, I prefer the kind of early portion of it where it's mostly vibes, um, not not a ton of um, plot action happening. It's kind of like a very gradual investigation. Because um, I feel like, uh, based on reading these two books, I feel like vibes is where Tana French really shines. Yeah, this is... Uh... You're really getting into sort of my overall take. I've been thinking about her, um, which is uh, I have like a lot of fondness and affection. Like if you ask me, is Tana French a good author? I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. But then when I think about how I would rate these books, I'm like, I think they're like two and a half star books. (laughs) And for me, I feel like the issue uh, at the end of the day is I feel like she could be like a really, really good literary fiction author, and instead she's a pretty mediocre mystery author. Yeah, I was just thinking this, like, they're, uh, I like so much of these books, like, both of these were, like, very compelling and page-turning, and I really liked all the characters, and I think the writing is really good, and then it's just, like, in kind of the final quarter, when the mystery is supposed to be wrapping up, you're like, Oh, this is like nothing. Like there what was this even about? <laughs> like or like this is either like a very contrived mystery or like or like in the case of the overarching mystery of in the woods just not solved, just not addressed. <laughs> um yeah, and it does seem like yeah, like uh she might be a better fit for for literary fiction cuz she's I think she's really good at the sort of like exploring the inner life of her narrator and sort of like slice of life stuff but then the mystery the and I haven't read that many mystery novels but the uh there's really when you when it wraps up and you can look back there's like not really anything where you're like 
oh, that's how that happened. Or, like, there's not really a ton of good clue leaving or, like, very satisfying conclusions. Um, yeah, so it's a very it's a very strange thing that, like, the, the experience of reading the book is overall really, really good. And then when you look at the whole thing as a whole, you're like, eh. <laughs> it's, like, pretty med- mediocre as, like, a whole work. Yeah, um, she does this thing that I find really frustrating where um, she'll just, like, say that it is a good mystery in the book <laughs> instead of actually doing that like in um in in the woods uh there's like a part early on where rob's like for the next few months it was a bunch of uh conversations that i couldn't put together at the time but in retrospect all made perfect sense and i'm like yeah i would i see how that is what you're going for <laughs> and like um in in the likeness as well uh a thing i find really frustrating is she keeps being like I'm gonna I'm gonna push at their weak points, turn them against each other to to figure out what's going on. And she like keeps saying that, and I can I keep being like, yeah, do that. Like that would be a really good book. And then she keeps like having another day of mundane conversations, and then being like, I'm gonna I'm gonna push on their weak points, and then and then the book's over. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like also uh, in in the likeness, I feel like the the mystery of. Like, the murder victim is her exact double. Right. Um, (laughs) And so she goes undercover as this, they cover up the fact that the girl died, and they act like she recovered from her stab wound. Um, And and she goes undercover as um, the dead girl. And I feel like, like, the big, like, a bigger (laughs) question than who killed her probably one of her housemates and then at the end yes it turns out it was one of her housemates like the bigger question is why does this girl look exactly like cassie like up front they eliminate any possibility that it's like a long lost twin sister or something and that's just never addressed it's just like oh yeah it's just one of those things (laughs) and that's like that's so unsatisfying and just so so weird to like not even (laughs) not even do like a token kind of like oh yeah like her mom looked exactly like or like or early on Cassie is like I don't look like anybody else in Ireland because I have a little bit of like French blood or something and I thought like you know maybe they were gonna pursue that like oh yeah she's got the exact same mix of ethnicities or something um, but they don't. It's just like, oh, yeah, you know, she looked exactly like Cassie because that was what needed to happen for the book to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny how they bring up the, like, pretty good explanation of being like, a lot of people in Ireland look exactly the same and then are very quickly like, but not Cassie. Yeah. Cassie does not look like anyone else. Yeah, um, yeah it's really weird because it, like, I feel like she's so close to sort of being like a Damon Lindelof type writer where it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, of course there's no explanation for that. Yeah. And, like, you're dumb if you, like... Or care, you care about that, but it like does not quite get there yeah. because there's so much like typical by the book mystery stuff. Yeah, it's so interesting, like sort of her relation to like mystical or like otherworldly or like mystery box <laughs> type stuff. Because um, really, like if you're not if you're not looking for it, you could really easily read e- either of these novels and not feel and feel like they're completely grounded in real life. But they do sort of like after after I read both of them, 
when I realized that the that the first novel that we were never going to find out what happened to Rob, I was just like Googling, like, what happened to Rob? And there's all this, like, Irish mythology that, that the book hints at. Um, and the likeness does a little bit of that, too, um, of, like, oh, there's these, like, malicious fairies in the Irish woods. Uh, but she hints at that, like, really subtly. Um, and so, yeah, it's just weird. It's like... If she, if she leaned just a little more heavily into this sort of mystery, like unknowable mystery of it all, um, it could be satisfying in a different way. Because I love all kinds of stuff that like, I love, you know, David Lynch. I'm not opposed to weird mystery that doesn't have an answer. But because she's writing in this detective novel format, you're just like set up to be like, things are going to pay off. <laughs> like, I'm going to have an answer. Yeah, and it also feels like just because of the format, there's, like, so much time spent, so much, like, page counts uh, on stuff that it seems like she's, like, not interested in. And you're kind of... See, it's kind of frustrating because you're just, like, left feeling like the book never got to the stuff that the book actually cares about. Yeah. Um, I think the the pacing of her books is what is really, really bad. Mm. Um. They tend to be, like, 300 pages of, like, okay, we have no idea what's going on. Like, we're just, like, gathering little bits of information. And then just, like, literally, like, 150 pages of being, like, okay, now we are explaining pure exposition in detail what happened. And you're, like, I don't care at this point with, like, this much amount of exposition. Um, which is really frustrating. Like, uh, the book... Uh, I remember you a ghost story uh, I read uh, pretty close to reading in the woods and they have pretty similar mystery plots in some ways. But uh, I remember or I will remember you is just like paced so much better where you get the information in time to be like, oh, of course, that's what's happening. And what's like the next reveal going to be? And what's the next reveal? And she just doesn't do that. She just like holds off until the very end, um, which I think you see, especially in the likeness both Tana French and Cassie, the character, are like, the smart way to play this is to completely hold back on all this stuff until the very end. Um, so, like, for instance, who uh, who the father is um, is a big mystery in it. Mm. And I think it's really easy to imagine a version of this story where fairly early on in the house, when she's like, I'm going to you know, hit at their weak points and turn them against each other like she's always promising to do. If she, like, mentioned the pregnancy to Rafe and then you see the rest of the book, him being mad at Justin and you don't necessarily put together at first why he's suddenly very mad at Justin, like, that could be a really good aspect of the book to weave through. And instead, um, the whole, like, Rafe being the dad thing boils down to being like one sentence of the book amidst all this other exposition <laughs> so you don't get anything interesting out of it at all <laughs> yeah and I know I know that like the likeness was heavily inspired by the secret history um and and a, like a lot of the secret history is kind of just the kids like <laughs> hanging out and being themselves um but and and similarly the likeness like a lot of it is just sort of Cassie like falling in with this group of kids and like getting to know them and just like hanging out but it doesn't it like works if you're 
following a story about like a kid making some friends at college and then stuff goes wrong. But when it's an undercover cop who's supposed to be investigating a murder, it's it feels very weird that she spends so much time just being like, I'm just hanging out with my friends. And like the book tries to sort of be like, you know, Ka- like Cassie's getting sucked in. Like she's she's not handling this totally right. Um, but it doesn't, it's not, she doesn't get sucked in enough. Like it doesn't get weird enough for it to be like, oh, she's off the rails. It's just, it just stays in this like weird middle ground where she's, she's just getting to know her friends and just hanging out in this house. Yeah. And I think what's so frustrating is that it's just like on those terms, it's still holding back too much. I'm like, you're not being the secret history. You're not being a gossip girl. I'm not getting these like delicious interactions of all the nuances of this group it'll just be like a boring conversation about dinner and then again back to that sort of like uh saying what's supposed to be happening instead of actually doing it she'll always be like oh I noticed how how close they are and how clever and fast their conversations uh, are and you're like this was a completely normal dinner <laughs> you did not weave in any intricacies of their friendships um yeah, it's really weird for her to be surprised at how close they are when she knows that they live together and are like a very exclusive group that won't let anybody else in and spend all their time together. <laughs> like, yeah, of course they're close. But then also, you know, they're like a little bit quippy. Their conversations are sort of like a little bit Dawson's Creek, Buffy, like overwritten. Um, uh, but they're not like in jokey or in referency in the way that your real conversations with the people you're closest to are because those would be totally indecipherable to yeah. an outsider <laughs> and there's no like secret language in the way that just secret languages uh come up between people who live together or are best friends it's just like oh i made a little joke oh i made a little joke back reference joke joke but, but it's like very approachable to an outsider yeah the conversations i thought were really disappointing because like not only do you not really get that sense of like weird and comprehensible best friend stuff but also like they set up that these are like english majors who've like devoted their life to literature and cassie right. mentions that she doesn't know anything about literature at all and yeah. that just never comes up they like and it uh it's disappointing because I'm like, I want them to have just like long, weird conversations about Macbeth that are actually about their personal lives. Right. Yeah. They're not just English majors. They're all PhD candidates. Yeah. And and she like immediately when when they set up that she's going to be uh, trying to pass herself off as Lexi. I was like, there is no way like she can just pull off stepping into a PhD program, yeah. living with a bunch of other PhDs and being like, oh, yeah, I can talk the talk. And it never comes up. Yeah, it does not come back to my <laughs> I think it could have actually been really like fun to have Cassie do well at it. Um, like that, like John Mulaney bit where he's like, yeah, college is just being like, I think Emily Dickinson is a lesbian. Like Cassie just like going in yeah. and completely bullshitting and then being like, oh, yeah, you're so right about the Odyssey. It would have been really funny. Yeah. Uh, but it just doesn't come up. Yeah. All. The book just doesn't see it as an issue. The book's just like, eh, yeah, you can. Yeah, whatever. She just tells him that she's tired and <laughs> she'll worry about it later. Yeah. I want them to have like crazy conversations like when you will casually say something about Todd and someone's like, who's Todd? And you're like, that's Brady Stanellis' boyfriend. Yeah. There's, realistically, there should be a ton of that. 
And like, I think there's one point towards the like towards the very end when just Daniel knows that she's an undercover cop. He's like, "Hey, can you uh, can you help me prepare for my like presentation on this author or whatever?" And Cassie like sort of has to scramble to be like, oh, what do I know about this uh, author?" And and I think she like pulls it off okay. That's like the one time that it even comes up at all. I also felt thought like their uh like the group's whole deal and their secrets were super disappointing. Like early on in the book, Cassie's like, so I don't know who the murderer is, but I do feel like this group has a big secret. Which early on, like optimistically in the book, I was like, oh great, there's gonna be two cool reveals who did the murder, and what's this group's secret. And then the longer you go on, you're like, oh, Cassie's just so fucking bad of a detective that she wasn't like, hey, maybe the fact that they seem like they have a secret has to do with the murder I'm investigating. <laughs> yeah, and I like, again, because it's based on the secret history, I was like, okay, there's some kind of like ritual or like cult shit or, or like, you know, they sacrificed Lexi or something. Yeah. And that, that part of the secret history does not make the translation at all. It's just not. They're just, they're just kind of weird loners. But there's not actually anything going on other than the, that one of them stabbed Lexi. Yeah, it's really disappointing because it ends up being about money, which is like what most murders are about. <laughs> right. And I wanted it to be like, they're like... Lexi consented to being sacrificed, but we can't tell the police that or something. Yeah. Like, I want to be like, yeah, these kids are weird instead of just being like, they would like to own a home. <laughs> right, yeah. I do like how much of the likeness is just like, having a landlord is terrible and people will do anything to avoid it. <laughs> like, there's even that part when, uh, when Cassie is going undercover where she's like, wow, life without a landlord, even though she's going undercover amidst murders. She's just like, oh yeah, that's sweet. That is the life. Yeah. <laughs> was there a part where she was, where like each of them was supposed to have a secret? Because most of them don't. Like they're yeah. not really very interesting. Daniel's a sociopath, but doesn't really have like a secret yeah, it's connected just that, with like, that probably he did murder before, and I guess you could sort of count the fact that it seemed like he's the one who actually killed Lexi, like finished her off. Yeah, is, like that's, kind of a reveal. Yeah, that's the like I think that's the one part of the whole thing that I thought was like kind of cool. Like, like I thought that was a pretty good touch. That like okay, um, Justin stabbed her in the heat of passion, but then like possibly Daniel in cold blood finished her off to cover it up and you never really find out for sure I like that was just the one little bit of like mystery writing right. that I was like oh that is intriguing <laughs> um but but yeah like no there's not really anything else interesting going on just, yeah like Justin's gay <laughs> Rafe occasionally has sex with him <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, in, in fairness, I did also find the secret history disappointing in that aspect. Mm. There's a very long portion at the end of the secret history where their secrets are supposed to all be coming out, and I felt like the only legitimate, tangible secret was the twins having sex, and everything else was just like, their personalities are worse than you thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the likeness is definitely even more so, just did not come up with secrets for them. Yeah, And I think a lot of that feeling of like her... Uh, 
not having enough big secrets for them isn't even just like the actual lack of secrets, but it, it does go back to just the pacing issue. Because, for example, uh, Rafe is ha- sometimes having sex with Justin and is like ashamed of it because uh, he's not gay or thinks he's not gay. And then he finds out that uh, Justin killed his unborn child. And that's like a crazy plot that I have not encountered in all my years of reading gay psychosexual thrillers. Um, and it just like ends up being two sentences of the book with the way she plans things out. Yeah, that's really true. I didn't even think of it because it does go by so quickly and it's in the midst of like everything else also happening. Um, but that is like an incredible, like such a tense and weird situation. And she totally just like blows that opportunity. Um, and yeah, yeah, it just didn't even occur to me like, oh yeah, that is the situation. He's been, he's been shame fucking the murderer of his, uh, uh, I don't know, girl, girlfriend, lover, lover and unborn child. <laughs> uh, yeah, just totally let it pass her by. Yeah, I feel like that is kind of something that happens. Like sometimes I'll, you know, pitch a story or whatever and like get a like totally blank reaction because I just like forgot to be like, and these characters really love each other or whatever. Because like in my head, it's like, yeah, obviously, like that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, uh, so much of her books, like, why they're paced so poorly is that in her mind, it's like, oh, I'm, like, teasing out the delicious thing. And it's, like, it's just, like, hard for someone to understand that it's, like, since we don't know what it is, it's, like, we're not on the edge of our seats being teased. Yeah. And it is, like... I think every writer struggles with that relationship to subtext because you just you can't know how much people are picking up on what you're trying to uh, to lay out. But, you know, somebody should have given her that note at some point. (laughs) Um, Also, going back to um, In the Woods, I felt like it it has a similar sort of like the whole the whole book is just vibes and then there's like a concentrated chunk at the end that's like okay like the guy Sean at the construction site killed her but he didn't it wasn't his idea to kill her it wasn't uh it was Katie's Damien right Damien right uh Sean is somebody though right I don't remember Sean is someone (laughs) there's definitely a Sean at the construction site um I thought Sean was the killer. Well, I mean, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. I know we know which character it is. We just yeah. don't know which <laughs> which name is his. Um, but yeah, the like the soft sad boy at the at the um, at the archa- archaeological dig killed Katie uh, at the behest of Katie's big sister, who's a sociopath, who like made him think that Katie was like a sociopath egging their father on to molest her um weird plot and it all like (laughs) unfurls really quickly um and I feel like I feel like that as that happened like sort of the uh, as we started getting into actually what happened to Katie I was like I'm not into this Mm -hmm. like the the solution to the murder is just like oh her sister was a sociopath and basically, like, got her killed for no real reason, except, like, I don't know, je- you know, jealousy that she was, like, this ballerina and got all this attention. But there's not really 
it's just not really compelling to me at this point to to have like the reveal be like oh some people just want to play with people's lives for no reason um so i found that whole the whole like solution to that actual crime pretty unsatisfying but i was still like you know that's o- that's okay because i'm not as interested in this crime as i am interested in the old crime mm-hmm. that of what happened to rob when he was a kid um so like as long as you know this investigation is just sort of a means to an end cuz it's going to jog something for him then he'll remember what happened and then it's like oh no he won't ever remember what happened <laughs> that the more interesting crime that just goes unsolved and we'll never know the answer um, which just feels like another huge missed opportunity. Like, it's such an interesting, it's such an interesting situation to have Rob be like, he's, he's pretending that he is not the kid from the crime 20 years ago that went unsolved. And he's investigating this other crime where people keep mentioning the other crime. And so, and so he's like revisiting the same site of his trauma. And he's sometimes talking to people who were in, involved in the original crime and don't realize it's him they're talking to. Like that's a really tense and like really interesting situation. And then when you finish the book, it's just like, for what? (laughs) Why? Why do we even bother? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like one reason the the ultimate solutions to the murders are so unsatisfying is that she's really not good at like red herrings. Like I don't Mm. think she even really tries. And I feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, Part of being taken on that journey is, like, you want to be like, oh, I was so sure that the dad did it or whatever. Um, and that, like, with um, with Rosalind being behind the murder, there was just sort of a feeling of, like, like, it wasn't predictable in the sense that I, like, literally knew she did it. But I was just like, yes, that was one of the possibilities. Yeah. Like, it, ne- it, wa- it didn't contradict sort of, like, my theory or whatever. It was just like... That was one of the things that could have happened. Yeah. Um, and then I think the the likeness even more so has a lack of good red herrings. Um, it just keeps being like, maybe it's this irrelevant person. And you're like, no, I think it's one of the only characters you give a shit about. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, In the Woods does a really funny thing. Um, this is another instance of ton of French... Uh, saying what the book was supposed to accomplish instead of actually doing Mm -hmm. it that in my opinion almost works because it's uh rob the narrator being shitty but when he's talking about rosalind he's like before you go and say that she had me fooled keep this in mind she fooled you too and i'm like no she didn't i was never at any point like what an innocent girl there's no way she did anything i'm sure she uh has no responsibility for this like when i found out she did it i was like yeah sure why not (laughs) yeah that's so funny i like i didn't really suspect her for most of the most of the book but yeah he like he gets sucked in by her in a very specific way <laughs> like he's kind of horny for her like has a very and it, at the very least feels like very protective toward her and I never had that like I didn't yeah, think she yeah. was the killer but I was like this girl is weird and off-putting <laughs> like she's strange she's clearly strange from the beginning in a like kind of unpleasant way 
Yeah, it's funny because the more, like, Rob gets sucked in by her and is, like, compelled and is like, oh, no, this, like, this poor victim, I've got to protect her, the more, like, the reader is like, this seems manipulative, like, what's her game here? She's got something going on with, like, toying with Rob and Cassie, um, which is so close to being something that could be good, except I just, like, think she doesn't quite pull it off, and I, I almost want her novels to be like um uh mr mercedes by stephen king is like dual narrators so like the whole time you know brady did it because you're literally reading about brady being like i did this murder (laughs) and that way when um the cop like misunderstands something or doesn't get anything it's like fun for the reader because you like have that sense of superiority and i feel like these books would benefit from that because um Rosalind and also especially Daniel, I think, are, like, uh, interesting characters. And so much of the book you have to read, um, you know, you have to read uh, less interesting stuff that's just the police being like, well, we don't know. And I think it could probably be a lot more fun if you just, like, knew what was going on and could just read about how weird they are instead. Yeah, that would be a good direction for her because she obviously isn't that great at writing a mystery or uh, in the traditional sense. So kind of, kind of taking out that element of having to have the reveal be the satisfying thing, I think would would serve her well. Yeah, it could be kind of... I, would, I like imagining a version of the likeness where like every other chapter is just like Daniel being like, I'm pretty sure this lady who lives with us is a cop. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, going back a little bit to In the Woods also, there's this whole um I'm not even sure that what I want to say about this, but I just want to talk a little bit mm. about um Rob <laughs> Rob having sex with Cassie and then having like oh, a full-blown yeah. <laughs> weird panic where he's like, I can't, I can't look at or talk to you ever again. <laughs> and it's it's like very strange. Um not in a way that necessarily is a flaw in the writing. Like it's clear he's just a, a weird guy. Um, but it's it's honestly reading it, it. It was so so much of the book is like Rob and Cassie, and also Sam is there hanging out, <laughs> hanging out, and like drinking wine and cooking dinner and being like, who do we think murdered this little girl? Um, and you know, just like just like in the likeness like so much of it is just kind of vibes and nice dinners um and then uh and then late late in the book robin cassie i she's so tana french is so demure about it that i thought they just kissed until much later i thought they just kissed because that's all we see and we don't nothing else is referenced (laughs) in any way um but they have sex apparently (laughs) and then and then rob just has a full a full-blown like i can never I can never look at or speak to Cassie again. We can no longer be partners. Uh, and he's just like fully, fully flips out. Um, and it's very sad. It's very sad and frustrating uh, because I really like their relationship. And they're, they're a really good team and they have really good chemistry. And, uh, and he, just, he, he just loses his shit over nothing. And Cassie tries so hard to be like, it's fine if you don't want to be with me. Like, we could just go back to normal. And he's like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> clearly, clearly 
you want to marry me because we had sex one time and I, I, I can't, I can't be around you. Yeah, it is so interesting. I feel like it is definitely love it or hate it. The most interesting thing about this book. And, um, it's, it's interesting, like what a subversion it is. Cause like, you know, it's the first in the series about this cop team and like it's like yeah uh, Rob and Cassie they're partners so you're like okay I'm gonna read 30 books about what great friends these are and it just like so immediately <laughs> being like Rob is the worst their friendship is terrible like you're just like this is so much more than I expected in from my murder mystery protagonist <laughs> um in a way that I think is pretty fun yeah and, and then like yeah also disappointing like there's like a bad part of you that is like, no, I wanted a simple character who would be like a smart, cool guy that solves mysteries for 30 <laughs> books. Like, that's what I was promised. Yeah. R.I.P. They just, they had such a nice friendship. And honestly, when I, <laughs> I did share Rob's feeling of like, I don't want this to become a romance. <laughs> like, I didn't feel like they had romantic chemistry. I felt like they had like a great brother-sister vibe. Um... So I get him not not wanting to marry her, um, but yeah, he he just he just fucks it all up. Yeah, like, and it's he's so such an it's like so obvious at every point that she's like, I just want my friend and fucking professional partner to be able to act normal in the midst of this murder investigation, and he just won't hear that and is like, No, 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 you don't want me to act normal. You want to get married and have kids. Yeah, yeah, he's. <laughs> His narration is so frustrating that he's like, you know, but I could, she said that, but I could tell that she had fallen for me. Like, you're, you're completely imagining things at this point. I don't, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> and also, like, didn't he, he made the first move, too. Like, he, he was, he, I think he was the one who kissed her first. So he's like, she wasn't even pursuing him at any point. She just went with it. <laughs> but yeah, that's, um, like, I, I think it works well for the story, but it was, it, it was, like, upsetting. Very <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sure. Yeah. And in the reading, reading the likeness the whole time, I was just like, is Rob going to come back? Are we going to see Rob? <laughs> no, we don't. But we, yeah. we get him referenced a little bit. Um, mostly just being like, oh, yeah, that last case I worked sucked. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny how much of, um, like, how important that backstory is when you're reading the likeness and, you know, Cassie does so much extremely irrational stuff and you're just like, yeah, that's what having sex with Rob does to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's weird that it seems like Cassie managed to, uh, to have uh, pretty normal, casual friendships for so long. And then I feel like uh, with Rob and then the group and the likeness, she finally got the the sort of best friend intensity that, in my experience, reaches its peak in, like, middle school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. She did it all backwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, do, do we want to talk about the show now? Let's do it. All right. Let's get in to Dublin Murders. Yeah. This is... Um, a very interesting, strange adaptation, in my opinion, because yeah. it's an eight-episode TV show based on both In the Woods and the Likeness, books that are about 
450 pages a piece. <laughs> um, and I feel like you hear that and it sounds insane. And then the ways that the show chose to present that story are more insane than what I was picturing for an eight-episode show based on two long books. Yeah, based on the fact that it's an eight-episode show based on two long books, I thought it was going to be a much looser adaptation. Yeah, I was like, maybe it'll be just like a procedural that's just like Rob and Cassie and Sam solve mysteries every week. And um, I thought maybe the pilot would be in the woods because, as we've discussed, that's not actually that interesting a mystery. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought it would be maybe more of like, you know, an eight-part mini-series and, and sort of like intertwines intertwining these two stories which is what it is but I I just sort of thought it would be like okay obviously you can't really represent these two books as they're presented in that format so it's like okay it's gonna use that as like a jumping off point but then it'll totally go in like its own direction right um because if you tried to do that and stay really faithful to the content of the books you would get a weird confusing mishmash that's boring and both too long and too short (laughs) (laughs) and indeed yeah i mean not only does it like squeeze the books in too much but also the specific way it paces it is that it starts in the woods then the entirety of the likeness happens, and then it wraps up the In the Woods plot, which is the weirdest way they could have chosen to do that. Yeah, the, I think, and I think the absolute weirdest side effect of this is that Cassie goes off on an in-depth undercover mm-hmm. mission while still in the middle of investigating the murder of Katie Devlin, which seems like a poor choice. Like, maybe they would have made quicker progress on that murder if one of the lead detectives hadn't gone off uh, to live in a frat house. Yeah. And the the In the Woods mystery is, like, pretty standard. It's like, yeah, that's something cops could encounter. And then the likeness, as we've discussed, is just, like, this completely crazy story where Cassie meets her exact double and her sense of reality is thrown into uh, chaos. Um So the effect of, like, going back and forth uh, is exactly like that Simpsons gag where Homer's like, that man is my exact double. And then he's like, that dog has a poofy tail. (laughs) So true. And I, uh, I feel like so much of what is good about the books is the kind of the narration, the relationship you develop with the narrator and also the other characters, um, and just sort of like the feel of the writing. Um, so to to translate that into TV, like the kind of strongest element of the books is gone. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to like really work to compensate for that and make it you know make it pop equally, but in a different way for this different format. And instead of doing that, I feel like they. Uh, just kind of kept kept most of the events of the books, um, but there's a lot less explaining of what's going on, and it's a lot more confusing. <laughs> and just watching the, it's a lot more confusing and also a lot less like, you just I just felt a lot less of a connection with the characters. Like they're just all these 
cardboard cutouts who are just going through the motions of this story. And I really felt like it really jumped out at me watching the pilot, uh, the first episode. Um, like in, in the book, In the Woods, there's not really a reveal of like, it's not treated as a reveal that Rob is the kid from mm. the, it's just that's, we're given that information right away. Like I, w- I was this kid, I was involved in this, this event that happened and then I sort of changed my identity and and now I'm a detective but the show tries to like jump in have the murder mystery be introduced and then start giving us these flashbacks to like oh there's this kid oh who who's this kid oh the kid changes his name to Rob because he's Rob and tries to make it like a reveal that that Adam is Rob. And I just really feel like if I had not read the book, I would have been completely lost, mm-hmm. like, the whole time. And then at the very end, I would be like, oh, I guess that kid was Rob <laughs> the whole time? Like, it re- I mean, and in fairness, because almost immediately I was bored by the show, I wasn't paying as close attention um, as as I would if I was interested. <laughs> so maybe if I was somebody who had more responded to the kind of show that it was, maybe I would have been putting the pieces together better. Um, but yeah, so like it might just be kind of a me thing, but yeah, I just feel like it doesn't do a very good job of telling you what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And that's also one of my uh, pilot pet peeves is when they try to do a reveal like that at the end like um, the end of Mad Men is like Don Draper is married so he was having an affair earlier and like Modern Family the reveal is they're a family and I'm just always like I didn't care enough about those people right. to have an opinion on this <laughs> in one hour yeah. Um, but yeah they uh, they do sort of a similar thing uh, to the like spending all this time on Reb's backstory with um, Cassie, where they show her backstory, and in the likeness, she mentions that she made up her sister Lexi, and it's this very, like, normal thing, where you're like, yeah, kids kids make up imaginary friends. Yeah. Um, and then in the books, it's like, she's having vivid hallucinations of Lexi, like, pulling wallpaper off, and when her aunt comes in, she's like, that wasn't me, it was Lexi. Like, it's trying to be, like, either... Um, about, like, severe mental illness or, like, a genuine, like, horror show (laughs) or both. It's very strange. Yeah, and I feel like with that and sort of with every instance where the show really diverges from the content of what happens in the books, I feel like it takes whatever is in the books and kind of makes it more of, like, a flat cliche. Yeah. Like, Like, it's just really playing into... You know, oh, what are people going to expect from, like, a dark drama show? Like, let's do that. Um, And, you know, I I mean, books and TV are different different formats, and I expect you to have to make some changes, but it just, it felt like every change was to make it, like, less unique, more cliche, but, like, like more, less, less unique, but more kind of on its face dramatic. Um, and I hated that. Yeah, and it also, <laughs> I think the problem is that it's, like, constantly, like, then, like, taking the wind out of it. Like, they set up so much crazy backstory with Cassie where you're, like, you know, did did her insanity manifest a person that was then murdered? And that just kind of, like disappears and it's just like now she's worried about finding out who killed katie 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. In the book, there's a lot of a lot of time spent sort of like figuring out who who Lexi really was, and um, and you know they realize that she's this sort of like grifter <laughs> who just like was habitually dropping her identities and starting new identities, um, and that's that happens much less in the show and is sort of like just like thrown out really quickly like oh yeah she was just like she was like a, a grifter uh, and she happened to look exactly like Cassie and then somebody somebody was like oh you're Lexi and she was like yeah I am <laughs> and that's like that's it uh, don't worry about uh, the possible sort of spiritual <laughs> aspect of this or like whether she's related to Cassie or anything like None of that. Yeah, Cassie, so much of the likeness is sort of her, like, inner thoughts of, like, her thinking, like, by creating Lexi, I manifested this murder and, like, this killer was really killing me karmically. Mm -hmm. And it's all this stuff that, like, we understand is, like, metaphors and is just, like, you know, her brain processing things. And it felt like the book was like, okay, we can't, dramatize her in her thoughts without voiceover so the solution is to instead make it all completely literal yeah <laughs> yeah and another another way that the the tv adaptation sort of flattens the book i think is sort of how um how daniel responds to knowing that she's a cop because i feel like i feel like one of the really interesting things that happened in the book is there's this scene where she walks in and Daniel's just like, so who are you? And and she, for whatever reason, doesn't want her cop buddies to hear. So she like cuts her mic and she's like, okay, here's the thing. I'm a cop. And they have this like very, they're like very simpatico. They're, they're, they feel like they're on the same page almost when they're having this conversation when it's like, yeah, I'm an undercover cop. No, I'm not related to Lexi. Yeah, I'm just here to, I just want to figure out what happened. And it's like, they're, it's so strange that they're being so amicable about it. Like, that's so interesting. Um, but in the, in the show, it's just like, on what appears to be her second night there, they roofie her and are like, who the fuck are you? And like the guns come out immediately. And first of all, it makes like the whole, the whole procedure so much more like laughably, laughably poorly thought out that in the book she's there for weeks. Is it maybe months um, that she's living in the house? And it seems like nobody knows that she's not Lexi, but in the, in the show, it's like day two. They have roofied her and then they have a gun to her head. Um, but they also kind of cut out the whole like interesting thing of her sort of having a connection with Daniel and and both of them being able to set aside that they're in this like very weird confrontational situation and have like a civil discussion. They totally set that aside and it's just all like guns blazing and shit, um, which is, you know, more dramatic traditionally, but I think like a lot less interesting. So I am with you on a lot of this. I will say in the showrunner's defense, I do think that part where Daniel and Lexi are like, we're having breakfast is fucking annoying. <laughs> um, I get how it's tense on paper, but I was also like, you're a cop and a sociopath criminal. I am begging one of you to make a fucking move. Why do I have to read? After everything has finally come out, 
Why do I have to read stuff that is exactly like what I have been reading for the past 300 pages of you having more meals together? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wasn't thinking of, I, I, I wasn't really thinking of like the next day when everybody's having breakfast. I was thinking of like the original conversation they have where where everything comes out and it's like tense but also like weirdly <laughs> friendly. Um, but yeah, go ahead. But yeah, yeah, that that initial scene is good because she starts thinking that she could be in love with Daniel right. which fucking rocks hell yeah um, and even in the book was underexplored and in the yeah. show is more underexplored I was really I was honestly very floored in the book when um, when Cassie and Daniel kissed I was like I have not thought about this for even one second but I am into it let's do this this is so hot yeah. and there is no you know, there's no follow-up on that and then the tv show cut it out entirely <laughs> but i was yeah yeah i just hadn't i had not been shipping any of these characters really but then as soon as they kissed i was like yeah yes this is what i want yeah the like one of the best things to make me really quickly ship a pair is if they're just like in an insane situation <laughs> that they are just both like yeah of course like this <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah, so in the TV show, I totally agree with you that it goes by way too quickly. And like, part of that, they can't help. But then if you think about it, it's like, even two episodes is still like a movie. So like, they could have <laughs> still done a better job. Um, but uh, yeah, so she arrives and they catch her what feels like immediately. I did think that Daniel like fully like kidnapping her was kind of... Um, potentially, like, good punch-up for a TV show. Um, but I didn't think they went far enough with it. I was like, if you're gonna do this, I want, like, uh, like a you, uh, mm -hmm. the Lifetime show of Daniel just, like, bringing her food in a little <laughs> cage and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, watching it, I was... Like, when, when Daniel, like, takes control and sort of turns it into, like, a quasi-kidnapping, I did think that had potential, especially, like, the way he's talking to the other people in the group, I thought, almost gave us, like, more character and relationship dynamic than we got in the book, and I was like, this is, like, finally promising um, if this showrunner had written a bunch of Daniel-centered fanfic, I think that would be, that would have been really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even that, unfortunately, I think very quickly like flattens out again and you're like nope they didn't find a more interesting direction for it yeah but one thing I did think um I did think was like uh, an interesting punch-up from the book was when he's like he's like tell me tell me what I have to text the cops to get them to not come here and he's whole he's got um like Abby on her knees and he's like holding a gun to her head and she's like oh my god please tell him what he wants to hear and watching that I was like oh my god Daniel in the book never would have done that like he really cares about these people but this is a totally different Daniel and then as soon as she tells him Abby jumps up and like it was all a ruse just to get her to get the I was like oh that was good like that was that was really interesting and that was a good that was a good ruse yeah like, I thought in some ways it's really just that that one episode but I thought that that episode did in some ways a better job with their relationships than the book does like uh Daniel has a really weird interaction with Justin where he starts like petting his hair oh, and telling right. him he loves him that's true yeah he's I, like she hurt you i don't like it when people hurt you yeah i felt like it good. really like 
made good on sort of what the book only hints at of like them having weird relationships where Daniel controls them. That's true. And also, I correct me if I'm wrong, I don't really remember this from the book. I feel like the show added the thing of being like, oh, Daniel, Daniel almost killed a boy at, in school. Um, sort of. They like <clears throat> took the implication from the book. Okay, uh, yeah. In the book, she's always like... I knew there was like, something about Yeah, she's past. always like, uh, I, I profiled the killer and knew that he probably did something and got away with it before. Right. Um, but we don't actually know. Yeah. It's just like, oh, clearly this is not this guy's first rodeo. Yeah. Right, okay. And then in the show, there's a truly adorable part. This is, this is what I wanted <laughs> yes. to talk about. Yeah. The, there, there's this whole big thing of like, oh, Daniel almost killed a boy when he was in high school. And like, why did he do it? And, and, then, and then when shit's going down in the house, Cassie's like, what why did you try to kill that boy and daniel's like he didn't want to be my friend anymore so good. <laughs> it was really yeah. good i want i want more of that that's, yeah that's great yeah like daniel daniel truly values friendship <laughs> to a psychopathic degree like i love that as his character yeah it had uh the best Daniel moments in the show really remind me of um, one of my favorite parts of the book that I thought was a little underexplored, where um, when Rafe is kind of trying to get them to all go against Daniel, he has this monologue where he's like, you know, if we hadn't become friends with him freshman year, we would all be totally fine. Like, mm. we're normal people. And I really like that because it really resonated with me that I was like, oh yeah, like, early freshman year, you're like, I'll never make friends. And like the first people who sit with you, you're like, I got to make this work. And then, you know, regular people have a point at some point where we meet someone else and are like, oh yeah, I can just like make other friends. <laughs> and this group clinging desperately to this house, you're like, oh yeah, just like, cause college freshman year is like that. And that's like the only reason they're so crazy. Like, I love that element of it. Yeah, that's true. That's also a really good Rafe speech because there's a part where he's like talking to Justin and he's like, think about it. You could have a boyfriend instead of someone who just uses you for sex. But it's like he's clearly like, Daniel did that to us. <laughs> oh, we're all trying to figure out who did this. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's um, true. I feel like what I really want um, after reading The Likeness and watching Dublin Murders is like, a 22 episode like full real tv show um that's in the vein of like how to get away with murder where there's like a big mystery but you're also actually exploring all the facets of these different relationships in this close-knit group um and i feel like that if someone made that it would finally finally deliver on the promise of being like these friendships are weird and we're gonna have all these like weird conversations turning them against each other yeah so you in in your imagination is this uh like just a likeness this is just an adaptation of the likeness of yeah. that whole story yeah that would be really good you should do that <laughs> friendo hello <laughs> do you have anything else to say about in the Woods, The Likeness, and Dublin Murders. I guess I would just like to say that um, in terms of casting, there was a lot of really good casting for this yeah. show. They got Rob, like, exactly right, and Cassie, exactly right. Uh, their choice of Frank surprised me. <laughs> yeah, he, I think Frank was completely wrong 
Because I'm pretty sure the book has a part where Cassie's like, I always forget how incredibly good looking Frank is. Yeah. No disrespect to this actor, but he does have a hairline that I feel like was fully eradicated on American television. <laughs> but apparently the BBC is behind us. Yeah. It's a pretty stunning, like, forelock male baldness. <laughs> yeah. But I did think the Frank actor had the most charisma, so I sort of get them yeah. being like, he's got a certain something. That's fair. He was a good actor, just sort of comparing him to what I was picturing in the book. I was seeing, like, an Elliot Stabler kind of guy, mm-hmm. like a an aging jock mm-hmm. kind of dude, and he's this just scrawny little nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he was a good actor. Um, and the guy they got to play, Daniel, I thought was really good and very attractive. Yes. Um, their ju- their pick of Justin was fine. Uh, I think they went a less handsome direction with Rafe. It's weird, and they also, <laughs> I guess this is like uh, a good thing. Um, it it wasn't like just weird casting. They like never mentioned Rafe being good looking either. Yeah, they, they just, just went took a totally that out. different direction, which is weird because that's like his main quality. Yeah, like, his personality is handsome guy. <laughs> yeah, like handsome and emotionally immature. I guess they kept the immaturity. <laughs> um, and Abby wasn't really how I pictured her, but I felt like she was a good Abby. Like in the book, they keep being like, she's not pretty, but she can sort of in a certain light be really pretty. And I was like, what is that? But actually, I felt like the girl in cast <laughs> captured that. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh, and uh, uh, what's her name? Siobhan? No. Rosalind. Rosalind, oh, yeah. the sociopath. Um, I thought she was good casting, too, because... When I first saw her, I was like, uh, wasn't she supposed to be pretty? But but then there's like a scene where she dolls herself up. And I was like, oh, shit, this girl's really pretty. She's just dressed like a sister wife in the beginning. So you don't see it. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I was very happy with the casting. And I really thought that that um, the Rob and Cassie actors really captured the um, the dynamic in the early part, the the rapport that they have yeah I agree. oh and sam was not how i pictured but um but he was how you pictured so we yeah. have to give them credit <laughs> well katie yeah thank you for joining me thank you for having would you me would like to rate some books and shows you know that i would uh so i am gonna give in the woods three stars um i was like yeah sure that's a book yeah great uh <laughs> The likeness, I feel like in so many ways, like in so many ways in my heart, I feel like I liked it more. Like it had so much more that I'm interested in 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 the Woods. And obviously Cassie is lovely and Rob is a piece of shit. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like the story was just handled so poorly. The pacing was truly atrocious. So ultimately when I think about the book as a whole, I have to give it only two stars. I'm going to give the show... Dublin. <laughs> Our dog's looking extra haunted. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna give this show Dublin Murders two stars. It's just sort of like one of those shows that rolls off your back. I feel like since I since I read In the Woods and the Likeness, it was like sort of a crazy experience. But if I hadn't, it would have just been completely like okay, like this is a drama that's doing its thing. Um, yeah. Uh, so two stars, but in a much different way from the likeness, which is more of a mixed bag and less of just like a bland nothing. Katie? Uh, I am going to give In the Woods three and a half stars. 
I mostly it's like a really interesting and really engaging read and like I all I only truly felt dissatisfied when I realized that that story was over (laughs) at the end of that book when I finished it and thought like okay great now I'll read book two and we'll continue pursuing this mystery that's unsolved (laughs) I was like yeah I'm great and then when I realized like oh no that's done it was much more unsatisfying um so yeah three and a half stars overall uh, like really it's like the experience of reading it is overall really good and it's just sort of yeah looking at it as a whole (laughs) that it's like what uh and and then um the likeness uh, has a similar sort of thing. It's an engaging experience, but even more so, uh, it doesn't hold up when you look at it <laughs> as a whole. And also, for me, I had the experience of like, I started reading it and was really intrigued. And then the more it went on, like the less intrigued I was, like the more information I got, I was just like, I don't I don't care I don't care about any of this this whatever sure they live in a house together it's fine um, so I will give it three stars because it is overall uh an, an entertaining reading experience but yeah it's poorly conceived in big picture uh, and the Dublin murders was so fucking boring I would probably have not even made it through episode one if uh I didn't have to watch it for this podcast um so I'm gonna give it like, it's not terrible, but I, I was just so, so bored that I'm going to give it one and a half stars. All right. Um, all right. So uh, since I preferred the books, I'm going to recommend a show for fans of the books. Uh, I'm going to recommend Elementary, which is basically like if someone made a show about Rob and Cassie from just the first 200 pages of In the Woods, Aww. just like. These are some good friends solving mysteries together. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Um, I think my recommendation is a good compliment to that because I also like the books better. Um, and so I'm recommending something that leans more into sort of the atmospheric darkness and kind of like psychological fear of the books um i think bates motel Mm, and and in particular i'm thinking of season one i'm not as familiar with the later seasons um but bates motel uh has obviously it's a prequel to psycho so it has like horror elements but a lot of it is just kind of like a a dark atmospheric drama and then there are kind of like these moments of more kind of like more blood or more terror there's Um, also a lot of crime yeah there's a lot yeah there's a lot of crime there's a lot there's there's even like a lovable sheriff and (laughs) like um, yeah and yeah there's a lot a lot more kind of mystery elements to it and I think anybody who likes the uh sort of the the moody mystery feeling of of big chunks of these books with like a, you know occasionally touching on like is this person a sociopath <laughs> um, I think I think Bates Motel does that really well well thank you for listening everyone be sure to listen to Brett Easton Hell Yes and uh, all the other great shows on the Major Cast Network hell yeah and you can uh, follow me at Lenny Burnham Katie you want to plug your Twitter yeah you can follow me at Katie L. Wright thanks for listening everybody
Do you want to learn falsehoods? Do you want to learn the not truths? Do you want to go to hell? Join Eric McAdams, Alea Lockney, and Liam Sr. as they go to hell. We Are Experts is a podcast on the Major Cast Network. Each episode, we take a topic we know nothing about and speculate wildly till our hearts content. And then they sort of learn a little bit about the real topic at the end. But not too much. Just a little. Tune into We Are Experts. Wherever you get podcasts, whenever we feel like posting it. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major. <laughs>